Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts. Specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, Swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere, online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. (coughs) Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. One day, my uncle came to me and said, uh, you're not just going to play golf for the rest of your life. When are you going to think about getting a serious job? I had to become the CEO of the company at 25 years old. What was your idea for theory? You essentially created the contemporary market. The idea of 
clothing having more versatility, clothing be able to travel, and that a person's office was not just a place where they went, it was wherever they were. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF podcast this week on Inside Fashion. Our chief correspondent in New York, Lauren Sherman, sits down with Andrew Rosen, a legendary executive from the New York garment industry. Andrew's career has taken him from his own family business to Anne Klein to becoming the founder of boundary-breaking contemporary brand theory. And now he's reached a new stage in his career. He's investing in companies, he's thinking about what's going on in the industry, and he's evaluating where the industry might head in the future. So this week, Lauren sits down with Andrew to take stock. Here's Andrew Rosen, Inside Fashion. You come from this world of apparel. You're third generation, right? So yes. When you were growing up, where did you grow up? How much of the industry was baked into your life as a kid? How much did you know about it? Did you know you wanted to be in in fashion? I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, outside of Boston, Massachusetts, and uh, um, in a real sort of country town. And, um, you know, I was into all the things that normal kids were into, baseball and you know that that kind of stuff, sports and and all, and I I suppose that I didn't really know I was going to end up in fashion, but I always had an inkling. My dad was um, was was a pretty famous clothing manufacturer back in the day, and um, my exposure to clothing was always when he came home um, and and uh, he, t- he talked about it, or when um, he would have. Um, business associates or people he was doing business with come to the house and you know I would get exposed to it in that way or sometimes he'd bring back I remember him bringing back he did Beatles t-shirts and sweatshirts and so I remember having all the Beatles t-shirts and sweatshirts back in in the, in the in the early 60s so I was exposed to it sort of on the periphery from time to time my dad had a factory in Waltham and I would go Massachusetts I would go to the to the to the factory and run around and so mm-hmm. on. But um, pretty much as a kid, I, I I was doing sort of kid stuff and I was a, really into golf and I was a big golfer. And, um, you know, that's what I spent most of my time doing. It was playing golf from the time I was 10 years old till I, w- I ended up going to work. So at some point, your dad moved his factory to New York or... My my grandfather originally started the business in in Massachusetts uh, in in Waltham, and um, my dad, when he came to work um, after World War II for my grandfather, he ultimately moved the business to New York, and my dad would spend um, the week in New York and the weekends with us, and my mom would go to New York, um, like go Tuesday, Wednesday, come back Thursday. So my dad was was always working in New York, but um, the business started in Boston and had roots in Boston, but always was New York-based um, when I was growing up. Did that have to do with factories and being able, you know, now you look at the the U.S. factory system or what have you, and I know there used to be tons of factories. And- back, back in those days, now we're talking... You know, six early sixties, fifties, sixties, seventies. Um, 
most companies did their own manufacturing and and most of the manufacturing was done in in uh, in the USA um and that's just the way it was um we my dad's company was a dress company so all the dresses were made um between New England and uh down south and in South Carolina um and it wasn't till the mid to late 70s that companies started to do lots of manufacturing outside of the US um and i remember going uh to 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 japan and hong kong china with my dad um maybe in the in the late 60s um but my dad didn't really start manufacturing um overseas until the late 70s and it was just it's it, it just sort of the way the business was in those days but you know like everything else um new ideas come in and new methodologies come in and um companies change and uh so so that's what happened with manufacturing so at some point your dad started manufacturing jeans for Calvin Klein right um 1976 my dad at that time had a 300 million dollar dress company and um he started this Calvin Klein jean business and um he within 3 years he was doing 300 million dollars worth of Calvin Klein jean business and closed his all his dress companies down um you know my dad was quite um entrepreneurial and and was was really sort of uh the consummate merchant and transformed his business in the in the mid 70s um to to be designer identified with Calvin Klein jeans and he also at that time had done a deal with Diane von Furstenberg to do Diane von Furstenberg dresses so i met uh Diane when i was 18 and 19 years old i would have loved to be a fly on the wall in that meeting <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i was quite smitten with her back and you know i was very young and Diane was quite glamorous yeah. and uh charismatic and um you know she and my dad had a really good business relationship for a number of years so when you say that the business that he was doing before it, there was no future to that what do you mean was what 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 changed in that period you know he was making high volume low margin product yeah and um you know it was just uh the the risk reward wasn't there and um uh my dad realized that there was a great opportunity with designer identified product and was really one of the first to um to to do that in a big way and he did that with Calvin Klein and with the Calvin Klein jeans and i think that uh you know the first year we did maybe 15 or 18 million dollars worth of business with Calvin Klein jeans and he made more money with that than he did by doing 300 million in his traditional dress business because he, the margins were so the margins different. were 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 much greater and the and the opportunity was was so much bigger and you know he quickly i think the first year we did 15 million the second year it did 60 million and it just went on from there So when you said you you were really into golf and then you started working <laughs> what what made you decide to go did you go to college if you didn't why and and what made you decide to go work for your dad Um I I went to to college just to play golf and uh <laughs> I I really that's sort of what I was into and um um 
what happened is one day my my uncle came to me and said, uh, you're not just going to play golf for the rest of your life. Um, when are you going to think about getting a serious job? <laughs> and um, um, I, he said, I I'd be more than happy to speak to your dad and uh, have you go to work when you're ready. And I said, well, okay, I think you got to, you're right. And I'd be, I'm, I'm ready to go to work. And I was 19 years old and I went and my dad started me working in the factories in um, New Bedford, Massachusetts and the warehouse and really got an experience in the clothing industry that was, you know, was very unusual and spent, you know, about two years um, in the factories, the warehouse with the sewing people and the and the and the pattern makers, and just really understanding the business from from um, the beginning, and really under getting a perspective of the industry that you couldn't really get today. And then, and then what happened? Um, then I moved to New York and um, came to the showroom and started selling Calvin Klein jeans in the in the showroom in New York. And um, this was right at the beginning when when my dad had done uh, the deal with Calvin Klein, and I was just one of the salesmen in the showroom. And um, you know, I, I sort of had a, I guess maybe I, I had an affinity for it, and maybe because I was my dad's son, uh, he pushed me uh, to, and and I progressed really quickly. And um, uh, about a year after that. My dad got the license to do the men's Calvin Klein jeans, and I said to my dad, "Well, there's no one here that has any men's experience. Why don't I take it over and 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 do it?" And uh, um, so I started that in uh, in in 1978, and um, you know, from the beginning, it was uh, instant success. You know, um, Calvin Klein was just a, you know, he was an amazing. Uh, uh, innovator, and we had an incredible product, and the business grew really quickly. and uh, and And I sort of started my career with that. What was it like to be a part of that pop culture moment? Because that's really when fashion in the in America, especially, became a part of pop culture. Right? Yeah, well, that was definitely the turning point to fashion in America for sure. And um, my dad used to talk to me about. The fact that this was the beginning of a whole new generation of American fashion and designers uh, becoming uh, owning their own companies and 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 designer identified product and um, you know it was a, it was a great time in our industry and um, I, I think the be the, really the beginning of what was ultimately to come here with designers and brands and um, you know I I learned a lot and. I was young and I could make mistakes and no one, it really didn't matter. And um, I was able to experiment with a lot of things. And my mind was at that time very curious. And, you know, I was open to learning lots of things and developing lots of new ideas. And, um, you know, it was just a great learning experience um, for me and, and, and to understand the industry, learn from my dad. Um, and, uh, then unfortunately, um, my dad got sick and, uh, and passed away in, uh, 1983. And, uh, I had to become the CEO of the company at 25 years old. Did you feel ready for it? <laughs> you know, I, I would say looking back on it, I was nowhere near ready, but in the moment, um, 
I had a I had felt that um, I I knew what I was doing and I had a lot of confidence and uh, I was ready for the challenge and I didn't have a choice. It was just something that. Um, that was what I had to do, so I had to be ready for it. Um, you didn't think about selling the company straight out, or no, none of that. None and of that. and what was the experience like? Um, you know, I think that there were some things I did really well, and some things I didn't do so so well. And um, I had to grow up really quickly, and I had to learn how to um, be the boss and and be able to. Uh, make decisions and 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 have a vision and lead people and and um, do all the kinds of things that that you know CEOs do and um, I, I fortunately had uh, a great training with my dad but in another way I had to do things the way I was comfortable with not the way my dad did them or my dad was comfortable with and I was lucky enough to have enough confidence that I didn't feel like I had to do everything the way my dad did it or I I, I felt like I could um, make my my own way and my own decisions and I, I know lots of of sons with very famous fathers or powerful fathers you know struggle with that I was lucky with my dad that he and I never had that kind of relationship and I was unfortunate in a way that my dad passed away way too early and um i had to had to end up uh uh sort of learning a lot on my own but you know i i i as i say did some things that i think were good and i did some things that were not so good but i i learned a lot from it and i i certainly survived it so when when your dad passed away and and it sounds like he was kind of a person that you really looked to for advice or mentorship or what have you? Were there other people within the industry that you started to seek advice from? And uh, uh, the first person that would come to mind would be Barry Schwartz, but I don't know what kind of relationship <laughs> you had with him. <laughs> Maybe um, you could talk about that a little. No, bit. I could talk. You know, Barry Schwartz today. Barry Schwartz and I today are great friends, yeah. and um, you know, we we spent some nice time together and have a lot of fond memories about my dad and um, about times and actually uh, own a few racehorses together. Um, at, the, at that time, I would say that, you know, um, Barry, although he and I had a nice relationship, it wasn't the kind of relationship it developed into over the years. Um, and I, I really am, am very, you know, I consider Barry one of my really good friends and I'm very fortunate to have that relationship. But actually my dad had a, uh, his his closest friend was a, a, a fellow by the name of Miles Rubin. And um, um, Miles really um, became a great mentor to me and a, and a, and a, and a great friend in a lot of ways. Um, replaced uh, uh, the the my father. Um, he he wasn't my father, and I I didn't. Um, I you know I I mourned the loss of my father, but I never felt like I didn't have that kind of. I I was lucky that I had Miles there to be that kind of figure that was able to help me through lots of uh, different things in my life, and he was been a great mentor to me, and still is today. And and how so. Theory is is still. We're talking like you no, know, what, nineteen eighty three or eighty four. So theory is still a decade a long and way a half away. away. A long way. So away. how did you get from from there to to theory? There was a shakeup at that company, right? Well, Barry Schwartz and Calvin Klein 
Um, it was a it was a public company, and Barry Schwartz and Calvin Klein, um, in a hostile takeover, bought the company. I didn't know it was public. <laughs> I knew that they yes. bought it, but that's yes. that's interesting. Um, and uh, I ended up staying and and working for them um, for uh, four more years, and um, I left and became the CEO of Van Klein, um, and and. Actually, Ancline was in the same building, and I just moved two floors <laughs> down. But um, I, I, I do have to say I learned a lot from Barry and Calvin, and and uh, um, each of them separately. Things I learned from Calvin, things I learned from Barry. I, I think both of them are uh, are great. Um, you know, w w were great inspiration um, for me, and um, helped shape. Um, certainly some of my philosophies. And over the years, I think that um, my philosophies were shaped by a number of people. I think that's to some degree why I feel like um, I give a lot of time to being a mentor in the industry because I feel that um, I learned so much from, from different people over the years. What made you stay those four years? I'm assuming you could have started your own business. You could have, you know, gone somewhere else immediately? What made you stick around? Um, the reason I, I stayed was um, I felt like I wanted to prove at the end of the day that my father was right in um, his decision to make me the head of the company. And um, I just didn't want to walk away from uh, that. And uh, when, I, uh, when, when, when Barry and Calvin first took over the company, I stepped down and uh, to a lower position than what I had had. And ultimately, uh, four years later, I, I had proved my worth and um, was moved up to very close to the position that I had uh, uh, before they bought the company. And at that point, I felt like I had accomplished um, what I needed to accomplish and was ready to move on. But I, I did not was not ready to move on when they first bought the company, and I think that that you know the easy thing would have been to move on, and the harder thing was to stay. And I think I made the right decision in staying, and I, I think it was it was it was very good for me personally in my own career. What well, what was Anne Klein like? That was post Donna Karen. The Anne Klein was was post Donna Karen. Um, um, Frank Mori and Tomi Otaki, who owned Ann Klein, had just um, put Donna in her own business. So they were looking for someone to come in and help them run Ann Klein. And um, it was, again, a great experience for me to understand how other companies work. I learned a lot from Frank and Tomio. Um, Frank was a great mentor to me, and and uh, and and he and I worked very closely together. I think that you know I, um, at the end of the day, wanted to uh, change the company maybe more than they wanted to change, and um, so we parted ways. Um, that was in 1996. So I was there for for six years with them. And and a couple years after that, you you did launch Theory, right? Um, about a year. And what was your idea for Theory? What what did you want to do with it? It you essentially created the contemporary market. Well, I I don't know whether whether that's the case, but um, I you know 
most people don't start their company when they're 40 years old. I was 40 years old when I started my company. And um, I had a lot of experience. I had a lot of um, um, thoughts about what I wanted to do, what I didn't want to do. Um, I had worked in big companies all my life. I had, I wanted to be able to do things and start a company that I could be proud of the work that we did. The, the people in the company could be proud of the work. And it wasn't really about the size of the company. It was about the quality and integrity of, of the clothing we make and made and how we did business. Um, it was also at an era when um, the world was changing. Um, cellular phones were just coming on. The internet was coming on. And the idea of clothing having more versatility, um, clothing be able to, 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 to travel that it, 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 and, and that a person's office was not just a place where they went, it was wherever they were. And so I, I wanted to create a company where uh, there were individual pieces of clothing that were very versatile. You could dress them up, you could dress them down, you could travel in them. Um, and uh, at that time, I was I was doing some work with Eli Tahari, and Eli Tahari and I um, started the company together, and um, w we found this fabric with lycra, uh, and that's really the concept that we started. Um, Eli was very excited about the fabric. He showed it to me. Um, I said, I totally get it. I know what we're going to do with it, and... Um, you know, we 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 had a singular, very simple idea that that uh, you know I never expected would turn into the kind of company it did, but it was a, 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 an incredible result that we got for sure. This might seem that maybe this is a crazy question, but was it hard to get people at first to be comfortable wearing stretchy fabric like that? I remember growing up that stuff like polyester, which now is used constantly was like ick you're that's not okay when when you first introduced these fabrics were people like Ugh, or or was the comfort and the wearability immediately adopted you know the whole idea was that the the, the clothes basic shapes could be totally redesigned um because the fabric had elasticity and so a, a basic shirt or a basic pair of pants or a jacket um, could look very modern. The length of the rise, uh, the shape of the leg, the cut of the jacket, the cut of the shirt, all of them became very different when you use fabric with lycra. And we were doing them in a way that was was fashion. It wasn't just um, it, it, it wasn't just athletic wear or 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 or, or that. It was really um, really sort of changed the way you know basic clothes looked and that's what I was most interested in is being able to make something that um, was very comfortable but also was very fashionable and um, you could take you know just a simple pair of pants and totally change the way they were cut because of of, of the fabrics and I I wanted to be a expert at fitting and manufacturing and and sourcing fabrics with lycra that was the thing we were going to own as a company and um i think in the uh, as you say in the uh, maybe in the in the very beginning people were skeptical of it but once we started making clothes and 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 uh uh people started putting them on it was just a a 
it's just incredible how fast the company grew. And, you know, it really became very, very popular overnight. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, Jewelry that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. It's advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Did you think from the beginning that it would be a workwear thing, that it would be you know, suiting and, and office wear? Well, I, the whole concept was to change the clothing for the office, right? That was yeah. the whole concept. The office was going to become a a place that was wherever you were. It wasn't going to be a specific destination. And I wanted to make clothes that fit for a very active, versatile woman's lifestyle. So, um, I wanted. I I really sort of zeroed into that part of the market. I didn't want to make casual clothes. I wanted to make clothes that were sophisticated and modern, and and um, uh, you know, and had a certain certain look and feel that was, as I say, more sophisticated, and and, and thereby became more work clothes. And there there was always a category at 
department stores called Bridge or what have you. But this idea of contemporary and that price point, A, were you thinking about price specifically and targeting a specific price when you launched? And B, how did that transform in the early years of theory? You know, my experience in the early days was in the gene business at Calvin Klein. And then um, when I went to Ann Klein was the bridge sportswear business and design a sportswear business. And really what I did was take a take a, a, and melded the two together and came up with a very fresh new approach to sportswear. Um, and I wanted the, the, the look and feel to be more modern than bridge was. I didn't want to sell the bridge department because if we sold the bridge department or were part of the bridge sort of aesthetic, uh, I felt that I would never get my point across. So I wanted to start in a new department and it was a very small department at that time and it, it was made up of a lot of random companies. But I saw an opportunity to really create a whole new new language for clothing and a whole new style for clothing. And, um, you know, I, I, I guess in a way I was fortunate that it, that it worked out. But mm -hmm. um, I had a, I definitely had a vision for something when we started the company and, and the look and feel that was something a little different than what was going on out there at that time. And so I, I think that, you know, we, we didn't want to become part of what existed. We wanted to be part of what was going to exist in the future. And, and you sold the company in less than 10 years, right? Um, I, I sold the company in, um, in seven years. And, um, you know, there's lots of reasons for that. Um, but I just thought that at the end of the day, it was best for me. It was best for Ellie, um, to be able to, uh, recognize, you know, a, a, a real accomplishment for the work that had been done. And, um, I also felt like, um, I wanted to be free to do other things. I didn't want to just be, uh, involved in one company. And, um, it sort of gave me the capital and it gave me the opportunity to, uh, to, 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 to be able to diversify. And by diversifying, do you mean investing in other brands or? Investing in other brands. I mean, originally I didn't think that what I was going to do was invest in lots of other brands. It just sort of happened that way. Um, basically I just wanted to diversify my finances so that it wasn't all tied up in one company and, um, be able to have some freedom of choice. Um, when I originally sold the company, I had made an arrangement that I was only going to be there for one year. Um, it lasted a lot longer than that. Um, and I, I really have enjoyed the work immensely, but, um, I just wanted to be able to have some choices and didn't want to be stuck in, in doing one thing for the rest of my life. Why Why did you stick around? Um, because it was I was really inspired by the work that we were doing. There was, um, you know, the company grew tremendously. I was working with incredible people. Um, fast retailing was a, was an incredible company to work with. Misty and I was very inspiring. Um, it just there there was uh, i and i enjoyed the people i was working with um i enjoyed the people i was working for and there was no reason to make any changes so i was really happy doing what i was doing and it seemed seemed like you're you 
also invested in in these other brands and were mentors to these designers and that seems like it was a lot of work too seems like you were doing two jobs at once at one point i don't know from the outside it you know i i think that work is what you make it and um i, I maybe i had a affinity for our industry and um for clothing and so on so that it didn't seem like work and um i had the kind of relationship with the people inside our company and with the people that i invested in that it was never complicated it was never um it was never really hard work we um inside the company ethereum had an incredible vision for what we were doing and where we were going and were very passionate about accomplishing that and at the end of the day at theory the the values that we started the company in the passion the product the idea of being proud of the work that you did and the way you did it um was was something that was really inspiring and and we were that's what we've been doing all these years and then working with um with young companies in a way it gave me a perspective on um what was new and what was up and coming in the industry and um they were teaching me a lot of things and i was teaching them um some things also and um i never in any companies i invested in did i try to impress um my views of how to do things or my aesthetic or or uh my methodology it was more to understand um what their views were and what their the culture they wanted to create and as a founder of a business and as an entrepreneur help them be able to accomplish that for themselves and you know whether it's rag and bone or alice and olivia or many of the other companies i i i enjoyed and and still enjoy today an incredible relationship with the founders of those businesses and really just help them achieve their dreams when I'm sure that a lot of young designers come to you asking for money. How do you choose who to invest in? What are what is the thing that you think is it that is it the person, is it the product? You know, I I spent I've spent my whole life in this industry and I spent my whole life in this industry not as a as a as a passive player as um somebody who's um worked in every facet of the business from manufacturing to design to merchandising to retail to wholesale to uh you know every a- aspect of the business and I have an understanding of the business over the years that you know I'm lucky in a way just to have a feel for it so when I see someone that has a new idea um I have an understanding of where it can fit in the market how to execute it and how to manufacture it so if I think that somebody has a a good idea and i think that they have the integrity and the ability to, to be able to make that happen i'm happy to invest in them i don't do any work for them they do all the work um any of the company i invested in it's it's all their work i i'm just a, a sort of a mentor or a um uh some a sounding board for them to be able to discuss their ideas and um i think it works really well that way and because i always had my own job i never was looking for to do anyone else's job so it just was you know i i found a 
you know, a way where I could work at theory and be inspired and creative in the work that I was doing there and um, to invest in other companies and be able to help people um, achieve um, their dreams as people helped me achieve mine back in the day. So, Well, in the 20 years that you have had a, a major leadership role in the industry, it's changed so much. A lot. And to you, I mean, I could list the things that every single story I write have about what has changed in the industry, but what what are the fundamental things that you think have affected the way people work and and the way they build companies now? Well, I mean, you know, I I started in the mid 1970s, so um, things have changed a lot. I mean, over the last 20 years, I mean the revolution in terms of digital commerce and and um, and just technology in general. I mean, technology has totally changed the way we live our lives. So we live our lives in a completely different way. Um, it's only natural that our business would operate in a different way. And, you know, technology has so changed the world that, you know, one has to think about um, the new paradigm for how that affects fashion. And it's still changing. And fashion maybe was one of the last industries to change. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's something that, um, you know, is very exciting to me in a way because um, there, with change, there's lots of opportunities. And I think that, you know, when you think about the ability um, to directly reach the customer yourself as a brand, and be able to communicate directly with the customer and be able to move the needle that way, um, it's pretty incredible. And that's a fundamentally different thing, right, than than selling to a department store. It's fun, completely different. And do you think that there are people who have figured it out? Because I see, I mean, obviously brands with a lot of money can put tons of of backing into marketing and advertising and and connecting in that way but i see brands at every level now consumers don't have that kind of center place where they get everything it it comes from all these different places and to get uh, someone's attention now seems a little bit harder or much harder yes and no i mean i think that um if you know how to play the game really well you can cut through a lot of the clutter, um, and you can reach the consumer really directly. That's why, I mean, I think that, you know, marketing and marketing executives in our industry today are critically important. And not that I, not that I think that product isn't the most important thing I do, because without good product, nothing happens. But today, the marketing is so key uh, to companies' success or failure. And the understanding about how to communicate your message, where to communicate it. Now the engagement of the customer is critically important. And, you know, customers can look inside your company and they want to look inside your company. They want to look beyond just the clothing you make to see what you as a company stand for. And I think that's, uh, I, you know, I think that that's, 
really good in a way, and I think there are companies that are doing it exceptionally well. And um, you know, having a successful company is very complex, and a CEO uh, of a company today is much more demanding than what a CEO was five years ago, let alone twenty years ago. Um, and I find there are things that I I'm learning every day, and there are more things I need to learn. Do you think that? I see a lot of these direct-to-consumer brands come up and they are really good at communicating, but the product itself is not always so great. And I'd say a good amount of time it's not. Some of them have gotten it right, but it doesn't feel like there are as many people at a price point that is accessible to a lot of people thinking about whether or not the product is, and even in in luxury, I see it too. There are still some good product pickers, people who want to have a job where they're finding like the coolest thing that people are going to want to buy. You know, designing, merchandising, manufacturing clothing is an art, and it's not a science. And I think that a lot of these new technology-based companies think that everything is a science, that AI and algorithms and all this kind of stuff can solve all the problems. I think it solves some of the problems, but the 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 idea of of designing and merchandising and manufacturing clothes is still something that um or or any product is still something that 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 takes an expertise and a lot of these companies don't put the value on the expertise of actually making the clothing and um, or, or making the product. And I, I think at, at, at the end of the day, um, I think we'll see that um, a lot of these companies that have built a lot of energy and excitement through marketing um, are going to be disappointed because they haven't done the same thing on the product side. What do you think of the role of a department store is. I mean, today is the the Barney's bids are all coming in. You were listed as one of the investors in or backers of one of the bids. What do you think about all of that? Are you if if you were part of that, I'm assuming that you think that they have a role. Oh, I I think that physical retail and department stores in general have an important role to play in our industry. I think it's just different than what it was in the past, right? So um, now you see lots of these internet companies understanding that they have to have a physical presence. Um, the role of department stores and, and all, I think, has to change. One, f one f remember, they were a place of discovery. The only place that the customer could discover new product was at their local department store because there was no internet. There was no social media. There was, there was magazines. So they either discovered things through magazines or they discovered things through department stores. Well, now all of that, as we know, has changed. They don't discover anything at a department store. By the time they go shopping, they've already, for the most part, done a lot of homework. Um, I think that department stores need to be a place of curation where they are more curated and curating a lifestyle or a particular aesthetic, and they need to be a place of service and experience. Um, and there needs to be another component than just shopping at a department store. 
I think Nordstrom's has done a very good job in the new store in New York, to be honest with you. I think they've created quite a, um, quite a, a, a balance between um, shopping and services and, and food and all this kind of thing. And I, I think they, they have come, you know, as close to, to, to defining a new paradigm of department stores as, as anyone has to this point. Um, but I, I think that department stores are still very relevant. It's just their their position has changed. So thereby, the methodology in which they buy, display, market themselves has to change too. And um, that will happen. That will happen. Um, the other thing, obviously, and this is no news to anyone, is you know there's too much supply. So the supply is way greater than the demand, and it, it means that um, the marketplace is not fully operating at its, at its best. And I think over time, again, the attrition of um, stores, although it's sad and at times painful, is what it's going to take to, to really be able to create a lot of excitement and vigor in the in the in the department store and in the retail community in general. Earlier this year, you I don't it you didn't really retire, right? No. You 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 quote unquote stepped back or or what have you. But I have a feeling that you're you're still working quite a bit. Um, you know, I had been the CEO of Theory for 22 years, and um, you know, maybe that's too long to be doing anything. And um, you know, I I, I still um very much believe in theory i very much believe in in the concept of theory but um you know it was time for me to to get rid of the responsibility and be able to sort of move to another another phase of my my life and 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 have another perspective on the industry and my work and um um you know so now i i don't have the day-to-day -day responsibility of Running a big company with lots of employees and 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 lots of responsibility, I, um, you know, help and advise them in any way I can or in any way they think I can be helpful, and I'm sort of free to look at at the industry and um, be able to, um, uh, you know, spend time. Um, doing things, helping people that I want to help, helping causes that I want to help, and, and uh, you know, getting involved in, 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 different, uh, in different, different parts of the industry. Well, what interests you now? I mean, the same things that always interested me, interested me now. What are the next generation of, 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 of brands coming up? What are the next generation of methodologies? Um, you know, how can we do things that um, enhance and involve um, the industry in general? And so I'm still into, um, I'm, I'm somebody that is always looking to the future, is not looking back at the past. And, um, um, you know, many people ask me, oh, well, you know, you must be so proud of what you've accomplished. I mean, frankly, I mean, I'm I'm more focused on what the opportunities and the things that I'm going to accomplish in the future because, uh, you know, it's sort of the way I'm built, and I'm 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 just very much interested in how 
our industry and 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 the methodology of how our industry work continue to evolve. If you were going to start theory today, what do you think would be harder to start theory today or what you did back then? I think that every generation um, there is opportunities of starting new businesses. I, I think there's just as much opportunity to start a new business today as when I started back in 1997. It's just different. It's just the way one would go about it and and how they they would do it would be be different. But I, I would be, I think the opportunity exists to start um, new companies. Um, I think that you just have to be able to understand the landscape. One of the things that I always think I was very good at was being able to understand the landscape that we were operating in and where the opportunities were and how to cut through and be heard um, in the loudest possible way. Andrew, thank you so much. Is there anything else we didn't talk about that you want to say? All good? All good. Okay. If you enjoyed this conversation, you might also be interested in joining BOF's global membership community, BOF Professional. Our members receive exclusive deep dive analysis in our Daily Digest email, as well as unlimited access to our archive of over 10,000 articles, our new iPhone app, special print issues, and all of our online courses and learning materials from BOF Education. For a limited time only, we are offering our podcast listeners an exclusive 25% discount on your first year of an annual BOF Professional membership. To get this special offer, click on the link in the episode notes, select the annual package, and enter the special code PODCAST2019 at checkout. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please leave us a rating if you did, and don't forget to share it with your friends. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. It's advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.